guys. This is the Player's Perspective Uncensored Podcast. I am your host, Larry O'Bannon. Appreciate you guys for taking a little bit of time to tune in with us. I'm really excited for you all to hear today's guest. It is whiskey quality blender, Ebony Major. Now, Ebony is a major figure in the spirit industry and a true inspiration to us all, especially young black women looking to get into the spirit industry. I was super intrigued when I first read an article about her being a bourbon blender for Bullet that I just had to reach out and ask her for an opportunity for a sit down. And she was wonderful enough to sit down and chat with us. Now, you can catch this interview on our YouTube channel, The Player's Perspective Uncensored Podcast. Great way for you guys to see how we conduct our podcast and interact with our guests. Make sure you follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is the PPU Podcast on Instagram, the Player's Perspective Podcast. Make sure you rate us, leave reviews. We love to hear your feedback. That's how we continue to grow as a podcast. Now, for our bourbon selection of the day, we're going to try Trader Joe's Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Comes in around 90 proof, our 45% alcohol volume. I know what you're saying. Trader Joe's, what What are you doing with Trader Joe's? Well, it was a gift from my in-laws, and I'm very appreciative. And actually, the bourbon wasn't really that bad. I'll give you guys my review later. But it's a source bourbon, comes from the Barton 1792 Distillery. It's a Buffalo Trace affiliate, but it's not the main distillery that creates the main Buffalo Trace that we all know. Nonetheless, uh, it was a great gift, so I'm going to give you guys my review and let you know how I taste it after we get through talking to Ebony. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring her to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Miss Ebony Major. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's an honor to have you on our podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time out to come through and talk to us today. Thank you for having me. I know it was a long time coming. We've been waiting uh, as I took my break and everything, but I'm excited to be here talking about two of my favorite things, sports and bourbon. So, yeah. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Before we even get to talking about bourbon, let's, let's talk about the HBCU experience, because that's one thing that if I wasn't a college athlete myself, I think I would have wanted to experience, but I didn't get that chance to. So talk about going to Alabama A&M and, and the whole experience behind the HBCU and the proudness that comes yeah. with that. Like It still lives in you. I literally this week sent an email at maybe like 11 p.m. or just some around that time and and talked to our head of food science and was like, what if I came back and got my PhD? Because I, before I took my job at Bullet, I was studying for my master's. And I was like, I, you know, I'm not working right now. I don't, I go back to school. And she literally emailed us like, let's talk in the morning. So when you talk about going to an HBCU, it's really a foundation for the rest of your life. It's not easy. Um, you learn to work critically and work with limited resources just because of the nature of it. But being at an HBCU and being able to be a part of Black excellence from the day you walk on campus, um, you don't have to, because I, I feel you have the rest of your world to be a minority. You're going to go to your job and be one of few. But learning in a place that understands you, I think, is really important. I um, couldn't imagine going to another school and just from coming up in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, in a single family home with three kids, um, you go to HBCUs and, and they understand what you've been through and they are there to support you. They want to see you win on and on. It's not like, let's get you out of here in four years. 
know how can we set you up for success and make sure that we have you you know the alumni what they will carry you throughout so i'm all about my hbcu every time i talk in an article i'm like yep i went to alabama a&m majoring in food science because it's so proud like i am so proud to be a product of an hbcu dope dope there's nothing like having that pride in the university that you went to and speaking of food science, that was your major, what you graduated with your degree in. What brought about your inspiration? Or what made you want to pursue that field for your degree? I've always loved food. Like, just from an early age, I used to watch the show Unwrapped on Food Network. And, and now I know he was basically showing me what food sciences do and what food production is. I didn't feel I had the creative gene to be a chef. Um, so I wanted to go on the more, and I'm super nerdy, so I went to the science route. And within food science, you learn microbiology, sensory, um, engineering, chemistry. There's just so much out there. I would encourage anybody, if you are going to go to college, whether it's free or there's debt involved, get you a STEAM degree. Like, it's science, tech, art, math, those are, are STEM, and then they've ex expanded it into STEAM, um, but really going in and getting those science and technology and math jobs, because you can apply those to anything, and that's what I learned quickly, because I got my BS and then started my studies for my master's. After that, I went to work for Diamond Foods for an internship, and Diamond Foods at the time owned um, pop cigarette, popcorn, kettle, kettle chips, different things. But I quickly learned that my degree could apply to anything I wanted to do. Um, I didn't have to just make food because I was a food scientist. I realized that my experience in microbiology, chemistry, sensory, all those things would be perfect for me to take the chance to get into the liquor industry. And, and that's kind of how that food science degree segued me, you know, to liquor. Nice, nice. Now, let's touch on a little bit beforehand. You just kind of touched on a little bit. The internships. Once you left Alabama A&M, you went into several internships before you got to the liquor industry. Kind of walk us through, you know, your internships and what you were doing before you got into the liquor industry. Yeah, so when I finished at a and I'll say that at an HBCU, um, again, there are a lot of career opportunities and different um, corporate entities that will come and recruit. And I didn't at the time really, the companies that were coming were the larger companies. And I've always been um, of a small mindset. So I thought two, what's funny is both of my jobs have come from Indeed.com applications. Just simple applying online. Um, so the first one, I was on my way probably to be a career student. I was halfway through my master's and I just like to research. <laughs> I, I like researching. So I was like, no, let's not just stay in school. Let's go see what corporate is like. And as a food scientist, sometimes corporate isn't your thing because you're more a science forward, health forward, it just for different reasons. Right. Um, so I, I did that internship at Kettle. I did food safety and quality, um, just really working with chips mostly. And after that, I was in Oregon. My family's from Alabama, from Birmingham, and I wanted to be closer to home. So I was out in Oregon, um, actually willing to take a full-time role out there, but I wanted to get closer to home. So I started to really 
consider some options. It was easy. The plan was to go back to grad school. It's funny because at, at school, my advisor was like, are you coming back or are you not? And I was like, well, right, I don't right. know. I don't know <laughs> if I'm coming back because one, I want to get the bullet internship. And when I got the bullet internship, it was for one year. So for six to nine months, my advisor was still, Ebony, are you coming back to grad school? You know, your research is sitting here. Right. I didn't go back. <laughs> uh, almost six years later, I didn't go back. So the for me, I like to learn. And especially as an African-American, it's difficult for us to get our foot in the door. Um, so internships were my way. I was willing to take uh, two-month internships at Kettle and know that I had 60, 90 days to work my butt off to get a full-time role. And it was the same at Bullet, um, at Diageo, because I was working on more than Bullet. Um, I was there on a year contract and about six months in, I was like, okay, it's time, to, you know, are you going to hire me? I want it. And right. nine months in, I did get a full-time position, but I really encourage people not to be afraid to take an internship. It's the one place where it's okay to plead ignorance and just learn and absorb um, everything you can. So, paid internships, paid internships, though. <laughs> right. So, so with that move to Diageo, it brought you to Louisville, Kentucky. Now, I'm going to put you on the hot seat here because yeah. once you move to Louisville, Kentucky, it's either red or blue. There's no Indiana. There's no, well, I'm not a fan of neither. Oh. Keep you on the seat here now. It's either U of L or it's U of K. Which side are you going on? So we can only do basketball because it's roll tide all day long. But if okay. I had to use basketball, I would definitely go with Louisville. Definitely. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure that so we can continue to podcast. It's kind of hard because, you know, growing up in my age, uh, and I went to a school called uh, Ramsey, and we had like uh, from our town, Eric Bledsoe is from here, DeMarcus mm -hmm. Cousins. So you kind of want to go to the UK, but only during that time period that they were there. Right, right. <laughs> All right, so we can continue. So what was, your, what was your first thoughts when you moved to Kentucky, Louisville? How'd you like it? What was your thoughts? Um, I'll be honest, I didn't really enjoy Louisville. And I just think what? it's only because it's, it's a hard city to integrate yourself when you're new. It's not as open to transplants. Um, it's like, hey, what high school did you go to? What high school did you go to? And it's yeah, like, it's kind of like a family town. Like yeah. everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So, but the people that were there, you know, through work or whatever, friends, I did meet a few friends there later on in my time. So I at least know, hey, when I get ready to go back, I, I have a small circle of people I can depend on. But I like Louisville. It has a really good food scene. I love to eat. And you cannot get bored of food in Louisville. You don't have to go to a chain restaurant ever. So, and it was always a lot to do. I, I really enjoy that about the city. I never got bored unless I just didn't want to do anything. Nice, nice. Now, once you started your internship at Diageo, talk me through your role when you first got there, progressing all the way up to your title of bourbon blender. What was yeah, your role so, when you first started? So it was technically the same. I've technically okay. been in the same role the entire time. It's just a slow progression. You start off, because you can't just pop up and be a master blender. It doesn't just, you don't just wake up master blender, master distiller. There's, there's tons of learning and training involved. So I was an intern, then I was an apprentice and then specialist. So you go through these stages, but 
while I was there, I love to learn. So I signed up to do quality management on a bottling line for a few months. Um, we lost headcount. I've done um, visitor center experiences, creating the, the tour in Shelbyville, Kentucky. There's a sensory component involved. So my role really evolved and transitioned. While my one role was only to create liquids in the lab, I continuously took on more duties, honestly, because it made me more passionate about my job. Being able to go and work on the bottling line and see how, how hard the guys work to make sure labels and everything is correct going in the warehouse to see how much care and dedication they put being able to work in those different areas working at the visitor center i would go on tours with you know everyday groups or working mm -hmm. weekend events that really allowed me to draw in some passion and i tell people that's the my involvement in marketing um went to um, present at Disney Food and Wine Festival for Bullet before. Like those type of events really draw inspiration and allow me to create something of my own because I was able to go out, connect with consumers and come back and draw inspiration. So um, I, I did a lot all over the place and really enjoyed it. Nice. Now being African-American, being a woman in a what you call a traditional field, yeah. Talk about some of the stigmas that you had to fight through or that you had to get over just to get to where you're at. If any, I'm sure they were, yeah. but just there, there we'll talk plenty. about some of the ones because, you know, it's predominantly male, Caucasian industry. And so, yeah. you know, just talk about your way and some of the things you had to fight through to really, you know, put your two feet down and let people know that you were there. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, I was a triple minority in the room. I would sit in meetings um, in rural Kentucky as the only person under the age of 30, as the only woman, and as the only Black person in the room. And to be in those, is there's so many elements to it, because not only am I in a room full of these men, they're older men. They are men with 15 plus years of experience in this industry. And here comes this young person fresh out of school telling us what to do. And that's because my personality is if I studied it and I'm confident in it, I'm going to tell you. And those things eventually worked out. But you're in a room and it's not like we're talking finance or admin or marketing. We're talking about science and technology and you want them to take you serious there were several conversations um for me it was really just um tasking my manager who was a white male as being an ally it was really telling him hey did you see how this email came through and even though the person had to put my name in it it said hey guys when there's clearly more than guys or simple things of being treated as the assistant because i'm in a room full of white men they may just think i'm there to take notes right. and so letting him know like no it's more important for me to lead these conversations um i was raised with a mouth <laughs> i've always been a talkative person when i know something so mm -hmm. and my mom never kind of you know how they they shut black girls up um just you know sit be quiet be seen not heard right, she right. About that. um she i grew up in a single home full of girls so it was just my mom and the three of us um so i really think that prepped me to be able to deal with that and um i just i was confident. I think you you know that those things are going to come, but you just really have to be confident, honestly overconfident 
reassure yourself, Google a couple of times, make sure what you're about to say is true. It's unfortunate that you have to do that, but you really have to hold your ground. Um, simple things from like when I would take a photo shoot, you know, the, the typical clothing that they would maybe want me to wear wasn't my thing. I, you know, yeah. I show up in a suit and sneakers versus a suit and heels. So <laughs> it, it, it was different. It was different. But I, I like that I was able to stay myself um, throughout all of it. I never had to conform or change to anybody else's because I was just completely unwilling to. So that was the good thing. Nice. Now, I was reading through some of your Instagram comments because I really want to kind of put my hands around what a whiskey blender is. I did some research yeah. and I want to, you know, I looked at some of your page and I read some of your comments are pretty funny. Uh, but I just looked at you responding to different people. You like there's a lot of math that goes into how much liquor has aged when it's in the barrel. There's an art and science to the creativity. Uh, I also read the funny comment about mouth pepiting, uh, pipeting. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, had yes, to, yes. <laughs> I had to look up what that was. I didn't even know what that was. That was pretty funny. But what what all goes into, uh, what's the main role of being a bourbon blender? Oh, that's hard to say. Um, sustainability. Making sure what I create today can last as long as I need it to. Um, and that as long as I need it to could be six months, it could be six years. Um, blending from my point of view and how I do blending is, and that's what's so crazy about this next chapter. I'm, I'm, we'll talk about what's, what I'm doing next, but really my next phase is really teaching. Uh, how do I get more people into it? How do I transfer knowledge so that it's not just housed? here in this one vessel because there's so much into blending as a blender you are involved in distillation you're making sure it's water but you know when it comes out the steel it's clear so we taste and smell when it's clear before it goes in the barrel and then again once it comes out we're researching grains researching yeast we are literally just flavored day in and day out we're not just doing you know formulas at the end we're doing everything at the beginning we're planning production for the next 15 years but blending is done in the season and that season is one of the most hard times to go through it's usually March through June but in that time um so publicly I only spoke to Bullet but I was also responsible for George uh, Dickel Tennessee Whiskey I.W. Harper um worked on Blade and Bow Seven Crown all, so just everything in the U.S. portfolio for Diageo, but it's a lot of math and a lot of assumptions. And that is about, I would say, a good 60 to 70% of the work is knowing the math. You, you do the math, you taste the flavors, and you try to match the flavors with math. And that doesn't always work. When I was creating my blend, the liquid that I wanted to use for all of it, I could only use 30% of it because of the math. So it's really about finding those nuggets. And that's why it's really hard to recreate that year after year. And that's our main goal is to make sure that the liquid you taste today tastes very similar, the same, undetectable to your taste year after year. So didn't really answer the question. There's a lot in blending. There's a whole lot. It's not, a, I jokingly tell people I get paid to taste and smell whiskey, but I wish that was it. <laughs> but I really get paid to sit and look at Excel all day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now I read that you said that being a whiskey blender really helped evolve your outside tasting. 
what did you mean by that? And give me an example. Um, being a blender made me more curious for flavor, made me more curious for flavors and their components. As a food scientist, and I'm big into like making my own skincare stuff, I play with foods and ingredients for their functionality. But what was exciting about bourbon was really seeing how these same ingredients or same basic ingredients of the grains and can differ depending on where you make it. But not only where you make it, but helping these where you make it, these different distilleries, make it even better. So blending allowed me to, to not like settle on one flavor to really learn to optimize things to their highest potential. So nowadays my, I don't eat the same, you know, um, <laughs> you try a little bit more different things. I'm, I'm also restrictive when I work. So I plan to work today, so I don't have on any perfume or anything like that. So it's it's really, it, it definitely opened me up because I was so restricted from eight to five on what I could eat or drink. It opened up my horizons outside of work. Nice. Now, we talk, you hear different bourbon reviewers and I was actually going to different stores trying to find your baby, which we're going to talk about in a second, but I couldn't find it because I do a review on my podcast. But from a molecular standpoint, you don't hear people talking about it from a scientific standpoint. What goes into a quality or makes up a quality bourbon, you think, from your standpoint? You know, you hear all these reviewers and people say, you know, what, you know, what they taste or what they think makes up a good bourbon. And a lot of it might just be hogwash, BS. But from a molecular standpoint, from a scientist, Give us that perspective of what you think makes up a good bourbon or good whiskey for that matter. But we'll keep it at bourbon since we talk about bourbon on this show. So many components. And that's what I liked about working at Bullets that I could focus on my part while working with the warehouse guys, while working with the distillery operators, because a good bourbon starts with good quality ingredients. Um, non-GMO if you prefer it's the best route to go but just good quality ingredients some high quality yeast yeast is really where you get your flavor I don't care what anybody tells you yeast 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 is where you're going to get your flavor because you're going to cook those grains but the yeast is really what's going to make the flavor and the distillation is where you concentrate the flavor so your your yeast is making it your distillation if you do a good clean quality if you have a good distiller who knows where to make his cuts how to make it where it's not grainy it's a little bit sweet you know the perfect between the heads hearts and tails and then aging that's the one part where so when people say what makes a good bourbon the only answer i have is a great blender because there's so many areas <laughs> where that bourbon can go wrong Right. Your last step is a barrel. The barrel does not always turn out right. I've had great liquids go into barrels. Barrels come from the forest. The forest, we don't have control over. We don't know what grew by that tree, how it was. Only thing we have control over is the way we cut it and the way we toasted it. So sometimes those flavors don't turn out the best. And that's what a blender does. You optimize the flavor you make sure that you're using i've seen barrels that smell like sulfur or 
hair oil or leather. Those aren't, that's not what you want to taste, right? That's not the tasting notes you're looking for when you're going. Right, right. So really just figuring out how to best use those barrels without just completely wasting them. Nice. Now let's talk about your baby, the, the Blender Select 001. How did that come about, you know, coming up with your own bottle and what makes you most proud about that? Um, I'm proud of a lot of things about the Blender Select. I'll say what I'm most proud about Blender Select is that it went to win number four in Whiskey's Whiskey Advocates Top Four of 2020. But not only that, the year before that, a project I worked on, Dickel, um, Bottled and Bun, won number one. So I'm most proud to be able to say I've created two top four whiskeys. But that project really started with an email. Uh, well, it started with me like blabbering and cursing in the lab. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. In corporate world, you as you you don't know how they're going to receive your ideas. Right. Um, I had been at the company maybe three or four years. I had just excelled at everything I had been doing, been promoted and, and done things and was taken on, but I wasn't seeing the fruits of my labor. It takes a while to see the fruits of your labor and um, and blending because things that I've worked on there, I know they're happening, but they won't see the market maybe for 10 years. So um, over the time of me just doing other work, going out to California frequently to talk to consumers, just traveling all over, I felt like I was I was selling something, but I was missing something. So the consumers that I were connecting with, um, they were new consumers. They were not necessarily young, but they were just very different than what I had saw in Louisville, Kentucky. When you go out to San Fran, you're in San Diego, you're in Oakland, you're in Chicago, New York, Florida. And it was really just drawing inspirations from all those events and all those people that I had talked to. And I'm like, let's create something new. Like most of the times in marketing, we're trying to recruit people to something old, like bring people into something already existing. And so yeah. I wanted to create something new. So for a day, I was like sitting on this idea. I was like, you know what? I, I got frustrated with myself and I blurted it out. And my manager was like, what's going on? So I told him, I was like, look, I have this idea. I know it'll work. But I don't know who to pitch it to, how to pitch it, because that's not my job. My job is quality control, making sure it's consistent. Mm -hmm. Whenever we are involved in innovation, it usually comes via innovation to us, not me going to innovation saying I have a project. So I sent an email saying, hey, I'm wondering if we would consider something smaller, something um, and I had just finished, I literally from 2019 to 2020 was just working, working, working. We had blended and launched Dickel Bottled and Bond. Then we launched Bullet Single Barrel, which is where, um, consumers can come and pick out their own individual barrel. But I was like, but not everybody can do that because not everybody can afford to get a full barrel. So why don't we create something more accessible and unique? So right after launching Bullet Barrel Program, I sent that email, sold the team the idea, and they're like, okay, make it happen. And I was like, ha ha, I didn't expect you to say, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I sent that email in May. I submitted my final blend in October. The reason I submitted my final blend in October is because like I previously told you, blending season is from March to June. 
I had to wait until my real work was done to start working on the innovation project. So in July, I started working on Blend Your Select. I would go in on weekends. Um, and I really just went through hundreds of samples and found ones that were unique and kind of spoke to me personally, because I feel like I have amazing taste buds. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really just went through and handpicked everything that I wanted and picked the ABV on the bottle. Um, I blended it to different ABVs to kind of see where the flavors were best and they landed best out at like 50% ABV. So um that was a really exciting time um it was weird because we launched in march of 2020 went to new york and participated in the launch event and then the world shut down so didn't really get to go on like a, a marketing tour or anything but just seeing how well received it was the fact that you cannot find it i think speaks volumes right. um so it was just really exciting to see other people know what I can do. Um, I've known what I can do and it's, it was, but it also to me is just encouraging. And I would say to anybody that is, is in a corporate environment, take a risk on yourself, you know, navigate those conversations in a way that are beneficial to you. Um, because at the end of the day, you're just an employee um, of the company, but really take a chance and see what, new great things you can um, create because had I not had the resources of such a great team from the innovation to project managers and the bottling like it just there the, the world is yours I'm a true Aquarian I just think the world is a blank <laughs> canvas so if you got a good idea go pitch it to your manager or somebody you never know what can happen nice so when you look at your career work yeah. what you do what do you like being labeled as you got your degree in food science but you've you know quality control whiskey blender do you like being boxed in one category or is or is I there know. just like yeah i just want to do whatever that and that's what's so difficult everybody's like why aren't you um i've interviewed for a lot of different roles and i'm like no that title just don't it does nothing to me sounds right outside of like creative directing of, of, of whiskey like right. because i'm a food scientist first but what makes me so unique and the reason that i began to take on these extra marketing gigs is because it's not typical for a scientist to have an ounce of personality and want to go out <laughs> and talk so i'm the one lab rat that's like okay with talking to people so um yeah i don't like to be boxing because i like to do it all and that that's what i'm you know in this next chapter seeking is something that allows me to just do it all and that's what i want to do nice now are there any other foods that you would like to work with or maybe like to try to dabble in to see what you can do with your science background in that oh absolutely i there there are two areas that i would like to go into as far as food um or or whiskey you know yeah, food or whiskey. so there there's a lot of things i i definitely look at food from a healing perspective for skincare but also i am um excited to see where cannabis is going to go in the u.s and to see what can be done from a from that perspective um there are a lot of people you know making hemp 
flavored drinks just to see i'm i'm all over like i really want to see where we can take whiskey from ground up where you see people making liquor out of honey and different you know just different bases of agriculture what can we use to make whiskey and really i want to go on like a history tour of really understanding more about it and, and just distillation across different countries so i can see myself honestly doing any anything right now um not food is okay it doesn't excite me food is it feels like a necessity it feels and that's why i went into food science because i knew i would always have a job but um, I like the excite. I want to do something that feels wow, crazy, and impossible because that's what Blender Select felt like. And those are the things that excite me to get up every day. Things that feel unattainable. Nice. Now, me and you spoke off air a little bit about you being a motivational speaker, and that led me to thinking that I wanted to ask you. You know, what are some special events that you've been a part of that you've been asked to speak at? Maybe like the Derby or, you know, organizations that you may have been a part of, the NFL, whatnot. Uh, give us maybe some things that you've been a part of uh, as far as just being yeah. sort of partnership with the liquor, but more so you branding your own self as well in sort of in a special way in different uh, events. Yeah, so for me, I do a lot of the the liquor based events, which is like Disney Food and Wine or Vine Pair Podcast. Those are the bigger ones. But being in that industry and um, just the nature of the role allowed me to to do other things from speaking engagements um, frequently. Um, and most importantly, going back to AM, participating in any homecoming or speaking events. I recently did an alumni uh, happy hour for the school. Um, a friend of mine, Brianna in Louisville, has an organization called uh, Colorful Conversations 502. And that was a group that I needed. Um, it's a group of Black women um, in Louisville who um, is a, it's a sister circle, it's networking, it's building each other's businesses, health, finances. So participating in that, um, I've done a couple derby parties and, and bringing nice. people together just to celebrate whiskey and um, black bourbon. Um, in Louisville, Kobe, Kentucky owns Black Bourbon Society. With my work at Bullet, um, some, some of my volunteer work was through the Kentucky Black Bourbon Enthusiast, which is Kobe, K-O-B-B-E. Yeah, I know um, Jamar. I went to school with yes, Jamar. Jamar, yeah, yes, that, Jamar. Is my, yeah. that is my friend. So doing, um, you know, two annual, their Bourbon and Benevolence, their inaugural event um, was sponsored by Bullet, and then we did their second year. And just making sure that I can use my name and my platform um, to... Any, any way I can. Um, my story is not a traditional story. I'm, I'm, if you saw my transcript, you wouldn't believe where I am today. I graduated with a 2.65. I don't care. I, I went through things that everybody goes through in college. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind sharing that because I want people to see and understand that you can do it too. My family members will tell you, they didn't imagine, you know, my aunt is like, Ebony, you can stop what you're doing today and I'm still proud of what you've done. Um, and I think it's important because when I got in the industry, there was no black woman to look up to. There was nobody that can tell me from an employee side what it was like being black working somewhere like that. So everything that I do, I could leave. I've left, you know, my industry 
almost a month now, I could leave and, and be okay with what I've been able to accomplish. If you've seen Diageo's commitment to HBCUs, those are the type of ideas I was feeding at a corporate level. Um, to make a 10 million commitment to these 25 HBC universities is huge. So really it's about your impact. You, you can go and you can chase. I didn't chase the corporate ladder. I was cool with staying in one position. Um, I wanted more, um, but it's really about the impact that you can make while you can. Going out, whether it's speaking to young ladies or just college people in general, to really think outside of the box when you are in school and taking on road mapping your career. What do you want to get and what are the experiences you need? So really mentorship, um, which is really... I, I I enjoy it from a, I'm not perfect, but here's what I did. <laughs> it may have not worked, but here's, you know, just, just teaching and just sharing, like I said, sharing knowledge. Nice. Last, last thing we're going to talk about before we get to our rapid fire questions and let you go. What's a dream job or what's future goals? I know you touched on it a little bit, say you want to be able to teach and sort of expand into things that you do, but what's a, a, a dream job or a future goal or what's, you know, next five years, where do you see yourself? Ooh, five years. Five years, I may have been made my exit from this industry. I don't know. Um, no, I'm joking. Five years, I'll tell you what I want to do. I just want to work and let you guys see me work. And that's okay. all I'm going to say. I uh -huh. want to create a space for myself to work that will allow people to come see me work and taste what I'm working on. That's um, so that's what I'm working on, creating a, a space for me to just make whiskey. All right. Well, if you ever start a teaching class, uh, my family and I would definitely sign up because we're yeah, big, I'm we're, always we're, doing we're big bourbons and we would be your first supporters. We would love to come and be a part of your class. Yeah. When I was um, working there, that was another thing that I did. I created this experience um, for consumers and really brought the blending experience to life. So I have what I call a blending lab where I kind of teach you. It's, it's three different ways. It's like a basic one-on-one. -on -one if you got an hour, the most difficult level takes about three to four hours to complete because I give you the liquid and make you try it on your own. So um, really hoping to be able to bring those to life and to people, you know, a little that, bit more. That will be dope. That will be dope. Now we've reached the closing part of the podcast where we shoot you some rapid fire questions. We call it the burrow proof segment. We're going to put you on the hot seat a little bit. Okay. Don't give it a lot of thought. Just give us your first answer. We're going to roll with it. Okay. I'm ready. Now I read that you're a big traveler. What's some of the best places that you've been to? Well, I just got back from Dubai two weeks ago and that was really, really nice. It was beautiful, it was hot, yeah. um, but immersing in culture. And I think uh, that Dubai is probably, yeah, most beautiful place I've been so far. It is, it's nice. I spent seven days there myself. Great place, hot, 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 yes. hot, hot. hot. <laughs> Your favorite basketball player? Oh, you can't, Kobe is like my all-time favorite. All-time favorite, yeah. Okay. One thing that makes Alabama A&M better than the other HBCUs? There's no question. The greatest come from A&M. 
Bulldogs. Like there's, it's funny because you know how Louisville and Kentucky UK have a rivalry. Mm-hmm. My school and another school have one, and I live with my sister who went there. So it's oh, just always yeah. house divided. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. What's the name of y'all band? Did y'all band have a name? Uh, the Marching Maroon. The Marching Maroon. All right. I think that's it. Orange if you had the name your favorite drink, what would the name be? <laughs> if I had to name a drink? If you had to name your favorite drink, what would it be? Okay, well, I will tell you a real drink um, that I've had. It was the first time I had gin. It was in San Francisco. And it was uh, it was during Pride Week. It was called Thought Something. <laughs> And it was just the coolest name. I like names that are just weird, but also um, something majestic. I like the name Majestic. Uh, majestic. I, I would name it Majestic. Because uh, I, when I taste a whiskey, I want it to be layers and, and an experience of different things. Oh, so, yeah. What would be your favorite whiskey? My favorite whiskey is Bullet Blender Select number 001. Um, outside of that (laughs) (laughs) outside of your baby what's your favorite favorite drink or cocktail it depends you got to tell me what's the occasion what's the occasion and i'll tell you to drink you got to put me in a place and i'll tell you what i'm drinking man i'm sitting at the house and i'm just chatting it up with some friends coming over i'm gonna just pour me up a nice little fill up the bottom of my glass which yeah, that's easy for me. I have some. Well, I actually have clean. I don't have a favorite. Like you can't put me. Give me on your a top two. Give me your top two. Right now, I have some Four Roses in here, which is always a good choice. Four Roses single barrel for me with some muddled fruit and ginger beer is what I go to. Just okay. a little bit of fruit and ginger beer. Um, you really put me on the spot, but I am like obsessed with tequila right now, so that's why it's hard for me to choose. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. I've been doing a lot of tequila lately. I guess gotcha. it's- if I if I'm gonna have a cocktail, it's gonna be a, a bourbon smash. And if yeah. I'm gonna have just like a a regular neat drink, I'm probably go with uh, Stag Junior or okay. or Weller's 107. That's probably my go-to. Like I'm more of a cocktail person. I haven't gone to the neat side. Neat. Neat is for working for me. It's, it uh, just looks <laughs> like like work. And I think that's why I have to have cocktails is because even if I do it on ice, it feels like I, I judge it instead of enjoying. Right. And right. sometimes when you mix it in cocktail, you get to just enjoy it. An ideal concert features what artist for you? Woo. Okay. So we got to have black six lack. We got to have him first and foremost. All right. How many people I get? You get four. Okay. Him, Drake, Ari Lennox, Ah, oh, the fourth. I don't know who did I say. Okay, this is Ari Lennox, and I don't know. Uh, Snow Allegra. I'll go her. What is, is that? I like Snow Allegra. I like Snow Allegra. So we'll go with because I'm I'm all across the board with my music. So give me a little bit of rap, a little bit of R&B. I like them both. I'll probably go. Yeah, I'll probably go three R&Bs, one rap. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I like Black because he's a mixture of both, and Drake because he's soft rap. So. Right, right, yeah. right. If you could switch and host a day daytime TV show with somebody, who would you switch and take and host? 
I want to talk to Stephen A. Smith, really, because he's real strong. He's real, <laughs> real strong in his opinions and his, you know. Um, so I think I would because, you know, a lot of people give him a lot of crap. Um, yeah, I'm probably one of them. You say you were one of them? I said I'm probably one of them that gives him yeah. a lot of. I just want to see somebody go head to head. I mean, people do often, but that would be one person. I just want to sit. I don't want to argue. I just want to sit and listen to all. Okay, you right. You know, kind of. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rate your dance skills from one to ten. Oh, they're definitely like a five. I don't dance, but if it's a celebratory weekend, it's probably my skills are probably an eight. I'll say. So a five, <laughs> you sound like you electric slide, keep it shuffle. Oh, barely. Now, see, I don't dance. I'll two step and I will rap. I'm the girl in the club and <laughs> all the ghetto song. <laughs> okay. Okay. One person from any point in time in history, you know, dead or alive, that you would love to sit and have a conversation with? Michelle Obama. There is a level of grace there that I could only dream to have um, after watching her documentary and looking at how she handled the White House for eight years and how she continues to, yeah, like, if she could write the how-to book, I think every woman would buy it. Um, just having a conversation with her about just everything, um, because I'm pretty sure it was not easy as, as the first black nice. woman. The perfect America. meal that goes with Blender Select 001. Mm. I know you have some meals sitting down with your baby. I have. I have. I've had a lot of like, I've had a lot of nights of different things. But let me tell you my favorite way to consume the Blender Select. It's in a brown derby. Simple. It's honey and grapefruit. So that would be my ideal way to consume it. And when I think of grapefruit and honey and whiskey and what kind of flavor I would want to go with that, it would not be steak. It would probably be chicken or fish with some mushrooms and rice. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, the different flavors that I want to, to taste while I'm having that. So I really do, honestly, if I am at a restaurant, I start with my cocktails and what flavors I want to taste. Because to me, dinner is not dinner without a cocktail. And then um, I go from there. Because I also like heavy, heavy whiskey drinks. Um, one of my favorite ways to have whiskey is with coffee. And that's normally like a nightcap type thing. Um, there any cold brew old fashioned that you make me, I will consume it. Because whiskey and orange and coffee, amazing. Breakfast in the cup is so good. <laughs> the best advice you could give young ladies wanting to follow in your footsteps and walk through the doors that you've opened for young black women going into science, going into the traditional field of spirits. What would your advice be to them? Um, keep a journal. That's first. It's not going to be easy you are going to suppress a lot of emotions. So suppress them in a journal so that you don't carry them with you forever. Um, reach out to me. My Instagram is major in whiskey. My email is contact at major .com. Get a good group of supporters outside of work. Um, just don't, don't be afraid. Like everything you go through will seem super scary in that moment. Uh, trust me, I've been through a lot 
Um, everything seems scary and life ending in that moment or just uncontrollable. Um, it's okay. We, we, we mess up, we wake up in the morning, we do it all again. You just have to, to walk in gratitude is really how I approach life, walk in gratitude. Because once you get that opportunity as black women, it's so hard for us to even get in the door. You know, I was going through rounds of interviews with Canadians who mostly speak French when you have a name like Ebony Major. You already know what I am. So just remember that once you get in the door, you're worthy, you deserve to be there as much as you can silence imposter syndrome is hard but just be grateful and just continue to to do your best because we are magical and just remember that couldn't think of a better way to close out the podcast ebony major it's been an honor and a pleasure uh really appreciate you remembering me and getting back to me on the podcast i love having you i've had a blast here sitting here i don't want to take up too much of your time but truly an honor and a pleasure to have you come through and talk to us on the podcast Thank you for having me on. Make sure you send it to me when you go live and everything. But thank you, thank you so much for having me on here. I had a great time hosting Ebony on the podcast. I hope that you guys enjoyed it as well. Definitely make sure you follow her career as she continues to blaze trails in the spirit industry and in the whiskey world. I'm excited to see where her future takes her. And hopefully uh, we all can be a part of that someday if she does decide to go into having classes and teaching uh, educational courses about bourbon and blending. I would love to be a part of something like that. So definitely watch out for her in the future. And I'm excited to see where uh, her career goes. And now for our final review of our bourbon selection of the day, Trader Joe's Kentucky Straight Bourbon. And to start off our review, we always start off our review with nosing the bourbon. And this one came off with sort of a grape aroma. It sort of reminded me of uh bottle of wine but it had a sweet aroma with it i guess you could say sort of uh, tropical berries aroma i also picked up a little bit of caramel in there but it was very light scented but the dried fruit really dominated the aroma now to the sip it had a pretty solid energy the texture was more so on the thin side it was really thin textured Flavor-wise, it had a softness to it. It had a soft caramel, a little bit of oak in there, but it also had a little bit of a spice to it. Now, it gave you uh, some heat in transition. didn't give you too much, nothing overwhelming. The aftertaste was sort of short, and I think that goes back to the thinness of the bourbon. And the aftertaste wasn't really that long. It gave you a little bit of oak in there, but then it sort of dissipated really quickly. But I really honestly didn't know what to expect from a Trader Joe. Kentucky straight bourbon, but I have to tell you this, it wasn't bad. I feel like it's the great or perfect bourbon for somebody that's not really been in bourbon, but trying to get introduced to it. I feel like it's a great starter bourbon for that person. So that's what I think of it. That's my review for today. I appreciate you guys for tuning in and I'll see you guys on the next episode. And that is the player's perspective.